Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF, Should I Do It My Life podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Sokol, and this is the podcast where you can learn to navigate the current challenges that we face today in order to live with more meaning, more meaningful money, more amazing relationships, and just generally how to create a life where you're like, yeah, boy, this is the shit. And uh, I'm coming at you from Granada, Spain right now, where I just am wrapping up a weekend retreat with some clients who I've worked with for some time. And today's uh, podcast episode is actually going to be an interview that I recently did with Ellie Aaron for her podcast. And I enjoyed the interview very much. Uh, There's some really valuable nuggets in there. And I wanted to bring it over to the WTF podcast and share it here. And so we talk about things like um, how to use fear to actually move us forward into the next phase of our life instead of getting paralyzed and stuck by fear. Um, We talk about how to navigate really challenging emotions and kind of how to find a, a, a guiding path that is unique to you when you are experiencing challenges. We also dig pretty deep into the topic of intimate relationships and, you know, how we can actually use that as the greatest growth opportunity um, in front of us and really how to navigate partnership while still having a strong sense of freedom um, alongside that connection. And we also dive into the topic of money, 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 baby. And uh, we talk about how to use money in a way where we're not necessarily being controlled by it or a slave to it, but to um, actually use uh, and and reframe our relationship with money in order to um, use it to support the things that are most valuable to us. So if uh, you are ready to dive in, let's do that. And uh, I'm going to send you lots of love from Spain. Good stuff coming soon, and uh, let's jump in. Welcome to the Ellie Aaron Hour. Spirituality, feel at home in your body. Philosophy, meditation, psychology, sexuality, yoga, and relationships. Join us as we explore what it means to be truly human, to live a life of passion and compassion joy and sadness, work and play, and of course, tons of love. Ready to begin? Let's go. Welcome to the Ellie Aaron Hour, everyone. I am so humbled and excited to have this wonderful man on the podcast. I've been wanting to connect with him for a super long time. So welcome, Jacob Sokol, to the show. Hey, hey, what up? (laughs) So happy you're here. Yeah, thank you for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. Your voice is so soothing. Do you ever get that? (laughs) okay we're just gonna jump right into that so 
me and me and Nadia, you know Nadia, of course, but for those of you who don't know Nadia, she's my girlfriend and a friend of Ellie's. And so we we were just in Vancouver for a wedding over the weekend and I was recording audio messages for some people who I I think they were in a program that I had just finished a coaching program and she walks out of the the bathroom and she's like you really put on your sexy voice when you record record those audios for your clients. And I was like, what? My sexy voice? What the fuck is my sexy voice? <laughs> so I have gotten that before to, you know, slight different variation of uh, the, the adjective to describe it. But nonetheless, there's like the sexy soothing and then there's just like the calm soothing. Like there's various <laughs> variations. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yes, I love Nadia very much. She's an amazing woman and she was actually on the show too. So now I get to have both of you on. Nice. Yeah. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about Jacob, everybody. So Jacob is a life and biz coach who's been described as a mix between Jay-Z and Deepak Chopra. So that's a pretty freaking awesome combo. He's known for creating the Inner Game Immersion, a 10-week immersion process that helps people level up their mental clarity, emotional mastery, physical optimization, and spiritual purpose. Hell yes. When he's not leading retreats in Costa Rica or coaching at his crib in Brooklyn, he's either listening to hardcore hip-hop or cuddling with his two cats. I love that. What are your cats' names? My cat's names are Krylon, which is a type of spray paint. I used to be a graffiti writer in a previous uh, prior to life coaching chapter of my life. And the other one's name is Prisma, which is it comes from Prisma Color, which is a designer type of marker that we would use when writing in like graffiti black books and whatnot. Oh, I love those names. So unique. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Jacob. So, um, yes, where to begin? I really admire people like you. Why? Because, um, well, at least from my projection of you, <laughs> you, you wake up every day and there's really a passion and a purpose that you feel called to. Obviously, we're all human. We're not going to feel that every day. But um, you, you really have a purpose on this planet. And I know that a lot of people are searching for meaning in this way right now. Um, so this is, you can take this wherever you want to go, but how did you really get to sort of alchemize and create, uh, this incredible life that you do that you really get to have now in being, you know, a biz coach that's also spiritual and sort of seeing how business can be a vehicle for our spiritual growth. Um, yeah, so take us a little bit to how that journey started for you. Mm, yeah, and there's so much there that we could jump into that I'm pulling myself back from all these interesting things that I'd love to to jump into at some point. So to give a little bit of my backstory, I love to quote the notorious B.I.G. when he says, I grew up a screw up. And that was kind of my path, not because I'm an evil little bastard or, or was as a child, but because from an early age, I just had a unique set of challenges with um, my parents going through a divorce at a young age and me just really experiencing a lot of 
uh, challenges that I, I didn't know how to deal with. And so I fundamentally understood really early, although I couldn't articulate it this way, that there was a big discrepancy between the way society told me life worked and what my actual experience of life was. And I didn't know how to deal with that. And so I, from a very early age, did drugs and wrote graffiti and got arrested. And I, I didn't do any kind of crimes that, although I'm sure no one would like to have their house written on with spray paint, but nonetheless, I didn't do any kind of crimes like where I was like robbing people or, or murdering anyone, but I was constantly getting in trouble. And at some point I just realized like, listen, I'm a little white boy. I do not want to go to jail. I got to get my shit together. Like, you know, get, get your shit together, kid. And, uh, yeah, I mean, nonetheless, I kind of eventually went to college briefly and ended up, uh, just mustering my way through that and landed in an IT job that I really loved initially, but still kind of went back into that same pattern of, Hey, I, I'm doing what society says I should do. I have a, a good job. I have a nice car. I have, I live in America. And so, you know, I know that I have it good yet deep inside I'm lacking this sense of purpose one, but also really just, um, equanimity, like peace of mind. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I just felt so guilty. Like, why couldn't I be happier? I have it good. What's wrong with me that I can't be happier. And, um, I would say, you know, that really put me on, this quest to figure out to do like, what do I need to do in order to live a life where things are just bearable? And it might sound like an exaggeration, but I had all types of crazy thoughts going through my head and I had, um, felt really uncomfortable in my skin and just the experience of life that I was having was not one that was sustainable. And I really didn't know what to do about it. And, um, and at some point I just, yeah, took a, a leap to, do to follow my intuition and kind of do some traveling and really commit to doing whatever it takes to figure out how do I create a, a really meaningful and um, purpose-filled life. And that was about seven or eight years ago. So it's been an incredible journey since then. And that's kind of the foundation story. We can go any direction that you'd like. So let me throw the ball back at you. I just caught the ball. That was so good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because you did have like rebel roots, really. And then you kind of did go into the more, um, uh, you know, traditional route. And then you kind of left that again. So that's interesting, right? Like you had this really kind of rebel streak. And I think that there's actual wisdom to that in some way, you know, that rebellious side of, of kind of growing up and wanting to explore things. So yeah. And then sort of going into the route of, you know, a more traditional job. So that's an interesting jump that happened. Yeah, totally. And what I loved seeing in hindsight, and I didn't have any of the words to be able to articulate this, nor the concepts when I was actually going through the experiences. But what I actually realized is that many of the values that I had as a younger child, a teenager, I still have those same values. It's just I use them in a way that are constructive now. So when people say, 
you know, what is my purpose? There's a lot of different ways we can go with, with that question. One of the ways that I've used to find and, and still do find really helpful is to identify what are my values? In other words, what are the things that are most important to me in life? And so for me, those values are things like freedom, growth, adventure, excitement, authenticity, and contribution. I would say all of the things I just said up until contribution, all of those first five things, all of that was present in my experience as a graffiti writer. I was climbing on rooftops, going through New York City subway tunnels, like, you know, sneaking into yards full of trucks at 4 a.m. in the morning, like running across highways. Like there's all types of shit I was doing that was like filled with excitement and a sense of freedom and a sense of growth, like getting my name out there. And, um, a self-expression or authenticity with like the artistic form of the, the graffiti. And those are all things that now I have so present in my life, but they're not going to land me in jail. Right. So now I can lead retreats in Bali or Costa Rica, or I can take on new exciting projects and I can do an interview like this where I'm, you know, there's a high level of authenticity and self-expression and freedom. And my work literally as a, as a coach revolves around growth. So I'm still meeting all of those core values of mine. I'm just doing it in a way that doesn't land me in jail, which is great. Right, right. And to see how it is just those qualities that we can bring to other areas of our life without feeling like we need to be stifled. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's a, that's definitely an insight for sure. Um, yeah. So what gave you the courage then to eventually leave, right? I mean, when things get bad enough, maybe we leave, but then maybe we don't, right? Maybe we just keep suppressing what's actually coming up from underneath the surface. But you took that moment and actually looked at what was happening and then said, I don't, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. The annoying truth is that the way that we grow most as human beings is generally through adversity. So as much as we don't want to experience the challenges, it's ultimately the obstacles that do make us stronger. So I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, how do I answer this question in a way that the person who's listening, you at home or in the office or on the train right now, how can I give you something that, that you can actually use? And I, you know, for me, my answer was the pain of staying the same was worse than the fear of the unknown. It was just that bad that I just needed to do anything. And, you know, breakdowns lead to breakthroughs when we become more conscious and we have a higher level of knowledge of self and introspection, we don't need to wait for a breakdown in order to have a breakthrough or to um, make a meaningful change in our life. But it's all the things that I've struggled with the most that at the time felt like torture, felt like the deepest suffering that ultimately ended up giving me my greatest gifts which is the wisdom and the perspective and the not just intellectual understanding of these ideas, but the actual deep embodiment of just knowing on such a deep level within myself, this is a wisdom about the way life works. And that's end up, ended up being the most valuable thing for me. And so any, anywhere from, you know, having compulsive thoughts in my head to, 
being heartbroken to feeling like I don't fit in to being $20,000 in debt, even after I grew a successful business. All of these things are things that because I was able to go to that place and, and get the, the gift of knowing I can handle that. Um, it's just, and, and the wisdom that came from the whole situation, it's just enabled me to be able to show up with a more grounded, more, um, deep and, and inner confident kind of energy and, and awareness as I go through life. And so, let me see where you'd like to take us at this point. I'm going to roll the ball back to you. So let me know where you'd like to go. I love it. I feel like we're playing. What 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 game are we playing? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're making it up as we go. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, we are actually moment by moment. That's what I love about these interviews so much. It's just like a, this is just like happening right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Oh man. But I so wish it wasn't like that. I think we all wish it wasn't like that. Like I was actually, I just did an Instagram like live video yesterday where I was, um, I was walking down the street or not an Instagram uh, story. Um, and because I like to watch them and make sure they're okay, <laughs> then I'll post them. Um, only you do that, by the way, nobody I know, else. I know, only me. Um, and so I was walking down the city and I was, I got like a whiff of just a, just a stank smell of shit. And <laughs> it just came up from underneath the ground. And had this moment there where I realized like, oh my God, that's what we do with most of, most of our stuff, right? We stifle it below, whether it's like in our psyche or in our body or literally below underneath the streets of New York City. And mm. then like we'll suddenly get a whiff of it. And usually those moments happen, like you said, when there is a breakdown or something challenging does happen, Um And then we have to look at it, right? We have to because the pain is so great, right? People don't like actually start changing their life until they get the diagnosis. They don't change their life until, you know, someone they really love dies. And then they really have to look at like, what the hell is this life about for me, right? But what, what the point that I was making, which you just made too, is that we don't have to wait, right? There can be daily practices where there is an actual relationship with what's happening internally. And we're actually relating with the truth of the experience, which isn't always pleasant, right? It does have shit. It does have stuff. But like you said so eloquently, that's where the wisdom does exist. That's where the transformation can happen. And ultimately to see like who we really are as human beings and to love that part of us as well. So are there any ways that you sort of work with this aspect of yourself on the daily, right? Because the stuff never really goes away. Mm. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of a quote by Joseph Campbell where he says something along the lines of, I don't believe that people are looking for the meaning of life. What I believe is that people are looking for the experience of being fully alive. And I heard that quote and I was like, oh, that's a nice bumper sticker quote. And like, kind of didn't really think much more about it. And then at some point in my own journey, in my own development, I, I heard it in a very different way. And instead of thinking about purpose or the meaning of life as a kind of 
cognitive thing as a logical, rational, like, Oh, I'm, I've figured this thing out in my head. What I got was that he meant it was uh, the experience of being fully alive is to be fully integrated in all parts of you. So in other words, to be in communication and live with your heart and your gut and your intuition and your head. And the other thing around about emotion and about pushing it down, well, one, it's a horrible really idea because repression leads to depression and emotion essentially is just life. And anytime we push away emotion, we kill a bit of our aliveness. So although emotion can be uncomfortable, there's a way to um, utilize and breathe into and alchemize like, okay, here's, here's something I've been geeking out on, right? People conceptually say, I want to live my full potential. I want to live my full potential. We all kind of have that desire, some degree, to step into our full potential, which is a really cool concept. But what the fuck does that actually mean <laughs> as an actual experience, right? Is it like, oh, I'm going to do my daily habits every day. Is that being in my full potential? So here's, here's I don't think so. Here's what, I, what I've come to believe is the experience of being in your full potential. Do you know the nervous, do you know the feeling when you're nervous, like maybe you have a crush on someone and you want to go have a conversation with them and your heart starts beating like, oh, like you're actually considering doing it and you're like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable and it's so <laughs> uncomfortable that just as quickly as it can possibly happen, your head is just going to convince you why you shouldn't do it. And most of us are so, um, we hate that feeling so much that we won't even allow ourselves to breathe into the possibility of going to talk to that person because we're just trying to avoid that heart pounding nervousness. That feeling when your heart is pounding, when you feel what I call intense energy in your body, that is what it means to actually be living in your full potential. And it's not a conceptual thing as far as like, hey, in my life, it's like, no, no, the actual like experience of being in your potential is the experience of feeling that intense energy that many of us call fear or nervousness. And because we don't know how to, we were never taught how to deal with it. We, it overtakes us. And so we won't even allow ourselves to go near it. We just push it down. We repress it. We say, get this thing away from me. And we label it as bad. But that what, that fear, when we learn how to breathe into it and to alchemize it, fear becomes fuel for change to propel us into our purpose, to move us forward. And in, in fact, we need it. That's the only way it can happen. We need that intense energy. So as much as we say, oh, this sucks that I'm feeling nervous or that's bad or why am I weak? That's all bullshit. That's all just a story in our head. And when we learn to um, leverage and, and train and use our breath, we actually transmute that nervousness into excitement. And that's what Joseph Campbell is saying. He's like, what I believe is what we, what we really want is the feeling, the experience of actually being fully alive. So my views on purpose have changed a bit since I wrote a guide called living on purpose and all, everything I wrote in there is still true. And I, I still believe that. And um, I believe that, yeah, on a deeper level, what, what we're really craving is the, is the experience of being, um, fully alive and to feel whole and to feel complete. And so much of that has to do with redefining the beliefs that we have about what it means to feel emotion and then developing the 
technology within ourself, the capacity within ourself to be able to work with and alchemize that emotion for the gift that it's there to give us. Oh, gosh, that was so good. So, so good. I'm like bobblehead Ellie over here. (laughs) I'm just like shaking my head. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, so good. Yes, absolutely. Um, Yes. And it's just energy in our body, like you said. So it's so true. It it's really the way that we look at it and the way that we relate to it. And like you said, using this energy to propel us forward. And I think what's important is to just recognize that that's what it is that we're feeling, right? Like that's bravery is to actually feel what we're feeling and somehow let it be a leverage to move us forward or just, you know, an aspect to understand more of who we are. But that takes real bravery to feel that, right? To actually feel the body in the present moment and to say, oh, wow, my heart is beating. Oh, wow, my belly, there's there's something going on here. And, um, and know that it's going to change, right? Like that's not going to last forever. So, yeah, and utilizing the breath, so is there a specific way that you personally go about this and, and utilize sort of this framework of, of how to relate with yourself when, you're, when you personally are, are moving to, to other places? Yeah, I love it. So here's one way to think about it. Um, you don't want to just say, oh, I got that cool concept from Jacob and Ellie. Now I'm going to go on stage and give a speech to 4,000 people, even though I've never <laughs> given a speech before, because I know to breathe into my discomfort and use it, right? Like that's not going to be super helpful. What you want to do is you want to start to train. You want to start to build the muscle of doing this. And one of the mantras that I have is train for the challenge before it arises, train for the challenge, train for the challenge. And so, you know, most of us, like we think we want these amazing things in life. We think we want like, and listen, we can all have a debate about what we define amazing, but collectively as a society, we would say, Hey, I want to have a million dollar business or in the spiritual community, I want to be on Oprah. But (laughs) if, if you had a million dollar business, right? Like think about all the employees or a $10 million business. Think about all the employees that you'd have to pay and think about the pressure that would put on you to know that these families might not get fed unless you deliver and create results that can pay your employees. And so suddenly this thing that you really wanted, if I were just to put you in that position and you weren't prepared for it, it would overtake you. And the same thing for being on Oprah. It's like, okay, cool. I'd love to be on Oprah. I'd love to get my message out there. And suddenly a camera is staring at you with 10 million eyeballs on the other side. And it's like paralyzing, like what the fuck? (laughs) So like, Oftentimes, we don't actually want the things that we think we want because if we were to get them, we're, we're not prepared to be able to, to handle them. And so what I love is the concept of training for the challenge or training for the opportunity before it arises. And when I run a program that I, I run called the Inner Game Immersion, um, that's in large part what we do in the program. So like I'll give people comfort zone challenges to 
high five strangers on the street, which is terrifying for many people, including myself at points. It's like super random. And, you know, like another challenge might be laying down. This is a, a what I call a level three challenge. This is a more advanced one, but like laying down on the floor in public and um, I did this in Grand Central last last year, and most people are like, "Are you crazy? What? I can't lay on the floor in public. What are people going to think of me?" And it's that same question that usually keeps us from making the change that we so, are so inspired to make. Ultimately, it's it's the the threat of our ego being hurt more than it is like our actual physical self. We live in a first world country, at least me and you, and really we're, we're not going to starve. We're not going to, the, the thing that's actually at risk is just our ego. And so, you know, laying down in public for 30 seconds on the floor, like you're like, Oh shit, people actually don't even care about me and aren't like, like they're paying zero attention to me doing the most absurd thing I could possibly think of. (laughs) Wow. Why don't I just go put that blog post out there or start that podcast or apply for that job that I really want to. So challenges like this, um, I've been doing cold showers. I hated cold showers. I was like, listen, I know personal development talks about (laughs) cold showers. I get it. I fucking love my warm shower. Do not try to take that away from me. (laughs) And at some point, I just was so in my head. You know what it was? I actually had, I was in Bali leading a retreat that was about to start and we had 15 people there. And I was, I had just found out that like, some business I expected to come through, like didn't come through. And I did some calculations and I was like, holy shit, I'm $20,000 in debt. And now I'm going to go into this experience for the next nine days and like lead this group of people. And there's just like a, um, a, a bunch of challenges happening. And I was so in my head. And the last place I wanted to be on earth was at that retreat about to lead it. And I was like, all right, fuck it. Cold shower. And like, I got into the cold shower because being in the cold water was so much better than being in my head at that point. So these are some of the things that, you know, and those are just three, there's, there's dozens that I, I do to, um, prepare to train for the challenge. And that's kind of, you know, of building your courage muscle so that you can step out there and show up in the world in a way that you're inspired to really speaking your truth, being willing to be authentic and be weird and peel back the layers of shame. And, and, um, and so that's that part of it. As far as dealing with some of the more intense emotions like sadness or, um, anger or disappointment or, or things like that. There's a practice that I find really helpful, which is basically what you want to do is you just want to take a moment and take a breath and just ask yourself, like, what am I feeling? And the, the, the paradox here is that, or the irony here is that when you're most when you most need to do this is the time that you're going to least feel like doing it, right? When you're triggered, when you're sad, when you're angry, you're not going to want to tune into yourself. So it just starts with the awareness of saying, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to notice what am I feeling? And then what you can do is if you just label it, okay, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling, you know, whatever it is. And 
then you want to do some thing you want to do something to regulate your nervous system so when you're when you're if you if you ask yourself like hey on a scale of 1 to 10 how intense is this emotion of sadness where do i feel it and how intense is it on a scale of 1 to 10 and anytime it's over let's say a 5 on a scale of 1 to 10 of intensity you want to go inward and you want to um actually breathe into that emotion and when you do that, you will regulate your nervous system and, and because uh, c- when it's over a five, you're basically in a, in a state of some level of fight or flight or freeze. Like your nervous system is jacked up and it, it almost is like it reverts back to the nervous system of like a five year old. And this shit happens to me like when I'm hungry too. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't, if I don't eat enough or I don't sleep enough, like I start acting like a child and not intentionally. It's just like the highest level of my maturity at that point that I have access to is like the maturity of a five year old because <laughs> my, because my nervous system is, is, uh, dysregulated. And so even just doing one minute of breathing to just restore your nervous system and bring you back to a place of, of equilibrium. Um, and then you can ask yourself, what need do I have that is asking to be met? And that answer is not going to come from such a cognitive thinking, rational place. It's going to come from more like of an intuition place, more of like, which, which basically, you know, it's, I'm I'm conscious of like people like myself who would hear this a few years ago and be like intuition. What the fuck is he talking about intuition? But we all have intuition. Like even animals have primal intuition. It's kind of like if you were to go into a dark alleyway at night and there's a part of you that says like, oh, there's something a little shaky about that. That's your intuition. Or when you walk into a party and you're like, you either feel like this party's for me or this party's not for me. Like the moment you like walk in, like that's your intuition. So there's almost like that deeper, like just feeling like place inside of you. And you ask, you know, you just slow down, take a few breaths and just ask what need do I have that is, that wants to be met. And that's, um, that's a way to hear what the emotion is there to give you some kind of guidance. Yeah, totally, totally. I I just so love the repeated themes on this show. It's amazing to me. Um, so can I say something? I'm saying so much, but can I say something else about intuition? You can say so much about intuition, please. So, okay. So I went. Do you know? Have you heard of Oming? I have. I have. Okay, so I I interviewed Nicole Daydone, who's the creator of this um, Oming practice, which is a practice of a 15 minute orgasmic meditation practice for that involves it's so funny the way they say it i always feel so clinical it's like the stroking of the clitoris in the upper left quadrant <laughs> it's you know some kind of practice such as this which i was very interested in and i went to hear her speak afterwards and then i i decided to go to a workshop that she offered after that speech and she said something to um either to me or to the group that stuck with me. And she said, when you understand the language of women, everything changes. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I was like, women (laughs) have a secret language? Like, what the fuck does that mean? And, um, And that's kind of what I call intuition in a sense. And here's an example of it for everyone who's listening, right? It's kind of like if I ask my girlfriend, how are you doing? And she's like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Right. So 
the masculine or the men here, I'm fine. Okay. She's fine. Great. I don't need to worry about that. Everything's <laughs> going well. But we all fucking know she's not fine, right? Like there's something off. And, and that's the language. That's like, you know that from your intuition. That was a feeling that you had because logically she said, I'm fine. But there was a deeper feeling there that was like, oh, no, wait, there's something other than what's happening here. And I've, I've taken that idea of the language of, of women and I actually apply that to like the language of the universe or the language of life. Mm. And at some point, you know, how do you create change without having to have a breakdown or without fear overcoming you by listening to the language of the universe, by listening to that deeper part of yourself that can, it's, it's not a cognitive level. It's not a, a thinking based you know, logical, rational place. It's this deeper kind of like suspicion or feeling or curiosity, like, huh, I don't know. Is it weird that four out of the five clients in my program just dropped out on the same day out of nowhere? Like maybe something, maybe this program isn't right for me to run. Or I don't know if you're, if you're in a job and, um, you get fired and it's secretly you've been like wanting to quit anyway. Right. Like that's kind of like the language of the universe saying like, Hey, now's the time to go do that thing that you really want to do. So listening to the language of the universe and, you know, being aware of it and conscious of it is uh, a practice that I can't say I get right all the time or even most of the time, but it's, I think one of my, my deepest practices when I am actually doing it. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for saying all of that. Um, the language of the universe, that really speaks to me because right now in my life, there's just a series of changes that are happening. Um, there's a three-year cycle that's ending at a yoga studio that I was working at and just other things are changing and new things are coming into my life. And in this moment, I have an opportunity, like, what am I going to do with these big shifts? And I feel like a lot of times when change happens, like it kind of comes in, in like a big, like big swoop of just a lot of changes, which is what I'm experiencing right now. And it's intense. But if I, like you said, find this deep part of me, this intuitive part of me that is a solid voice, right? It's like a very clear, it's not like an angry voice. It's not like a childlike voice. It's just very clear. Maybe it's the voice of my soul. I don't know. But it's, mm -hmm. it's just, it's clear and it doesn't have anything to prove. And amidst all these changes, it's just saying, you're okay. Like, you got this. Keep going. And it's that same voice that hears someone you know, that is intuitive and clear when someone says something that isn't actually true, right? It's also like the bullshit protector or I'm not the mm. bullshit protector, the bullshit um, eradicator, right? It's like saying, no, that's not true right now. So I feel like there's a lot of things happening here. So it's, it's listening to your own inner universal wisdom and truth. And at the same time, listening to the outer one and knowing sometimes that that's not always going to... Um, be in agreement with the people around you as well. Totally, totally, totally. And sometimes we don't want to listen to that deeper voice inside of us because if we did listen to that, 
it would mean that we would need to make some changes that are really disruptive to our current life and that we may perceive as dangerous or even destructive. Like if you've been in a relationship for 10 years and suddenly you're, you know, you're clear that it's time to move on from this relationship. Well, shit, if you guys are married and you have kids like that's going to be, you know, it's going to be quite chaotic. So oftentimes it's easier for us to say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, than it is to actually connect with the deeper knowing because that might involve some um, drastic changes. And I say this shit as the expert in the person who says, I don't know, right? <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm not saying like you guys say that I don't know thing and I don't say that. Like I say it and also sometimes, you know, I think for myself, I've tried to get clear on like my ultimate purpose in life or where I am in 30 years or my one and only divine, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's just like a game that I don't find myself winning. And, but what the game that I can always win is checking in and saying, what do I need right now in this moment? What is the thing? What what need of mine isn't being met right now? What desire do I have right now? And that is a place that I can always connect to my intuition if I'm just willing to take a few breaths and slow down. Yeah, absolutely. And you were really speaking before and just right now slowing down is just mindfulness, right? It's just really being in communication with the present moment with yourself and your body and really asking for what you need. Totally. Once again, like Joseph Campbell, the experience of being alive instead of in our head in the future, in the past, in our regret. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned relationships, which I think is simultaneously the most um, heartwarming, the most heart expanding, body expanding, life expanding I mean, it's why we're here. We're here to, to love. We're here to, to connect and to create relationships with others. And simultaneously, I find that this is the most um, challenging thing ever at the same yeah. time. So, um, yeah, I mean, personally for you, I know you are in a long-term relationship with the amazing Nadia. I know that, um, yeah, so that's happening and... Other relationships that you may be currently in, familial, right? Like all of this um, and really how these relationships are so important and at the same time so fucking triggering. So <laughs> what are you talking? What? I never get triggered, Ellie. <laughs> Do you love it? Do you? You got to step it up, girl. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm stepping it up. Um, <laughs> I'm calling it in. Um <laughs> Yeah. So like how, I mean, yeah, relationships, like what's going on for you in that area? Like, how is it? Yeah. What's going on and how are you really using it as, yeah, fuel and beauty, but also this way of seeing more of who you are? Yeah. So I think the biggest misconception that exists around relationships is that they should always feel good and that you know, initially when we meet someone, we have this dopamine rush, this new relationship energy, these uh, incredibly um, intoxicating chemicals, oxytocin going through our body that actually feels like we're on a, a sustained experience of ecstasy. 
And when that inevitably stops, and, and that's evolution's mating protection, mating guarantee, like that's the way that evolution made sure that we procreated and continued on with the spreading of the, the genes. And so when that inevitably stops and we shift into a new phase in our relationship that doesn't feel so great, it's like, oh, something is wrong. And that's just not the, my experience that, you know, well, well, that one has been my experience. And then at some point I realized like, oh, this is just how relationships work. And then you get to go to the fun phase where you guys start triggering the shit out of each other. You guys. Notice I said you guys, not me. So <laughs> and yeah. And here's what I'll say about that. Here's one of the biggest insights I've had about really getting triggered in relationships and feeling like you want to leave them. The reason that I most want to leave the relationship is usually the same exact reason why I most need to stay in it. Mm. So I'll give you a tangible example of that. A weak point for me would be jealousy. So I'm, I'm overall, I'm a pretty solid guy. I'm, you know, conscious of a lot of areas. I'm, you know, I'm human. I fuck up all the time, but jealousy is kind of like, you know, for me has been a weaker spot of mine. And, um, and so I could say if it, how this would show up in my relationship is I could say to Nadia, I could say, you know, oh my God, how could you talk to that guy in that way? How could you do that thing with that guy? You know, what's, what's wrong with you for doing that? And I could really blame it on her and I could want to then leave the relationship. But actually this is the greatest opportunity that I have to heal this wound within me that is getting so triggered by the jealousy. And because we're in a safe, committed partnership and she is a person who is committed to her growth and open-minded and willing to talk, um, when we're not blaming each other for shit, but when, you know, things are, are neutralized, I can actually work on healing that jealousy in this container of our relationship in a way that I wouldn't be able to do outside of intimate. And for her, the other side of that trigger of jealousy of my, my experience might be, oh, he's trying to take away my freedom. Right. So then she wants to leave the relationship. She's like, I feel trapped. I feel, feel suffocated. Oh my God. I can't, I can't even be myself to be free. And so, but once again, the greatest gift that she has in the realm of growth is actually then saying, Hey, where is this coming from? What are these mutual hooks that we have around each other? And how can I be more secure in myself and in my relationship and kind of notice where that wound comes from and actually like, um, have a reverence for it, actually appreciate it and not shame it and kind of work through some of the shame around the jealousy too. And for her, the same thing of, oh, what can I do? Why is it that I feel trapped? And um, how can I actually create a condition for Jacob where instead of being um, repelled by this jealousy, where I actually understand, oh, and develop the empathy to understand, oh, he's actually experiencing pain right now. I, I want to love him in his pain instead of, um, get, you know, freaked out and, and run into my own fear. So that's an example of how for me, and that's one example, we could probably identify another five to 10, how it's the thing that usually I want to, the reason usually I want to leave the relationship actually is the greatest opportunity for me to grow. And we're constantly looking like what I love about personal development is like, 
we all have these catchphrases that we love, like, I want to reach my full potential or I want to go to the next level, right? And we think that shit's going to come from reading a book or like, you know, I love listening to podcasts and that shit is awesome and I have a podcast too. And we can get great insights from that. And the reality is like going to the next level is, is oftentimes fucking being willing to have that conversation and shift the perspective in a relationship that we least want to have, that actually will take us toward the thing that we most want to go to. It's just breathing through and working with the resistance and the discomfort that, uh, and the fear that's in the way of that. So that's, those are relationships, or at least what's, what's present, um, for me, although I'll say the jealousy hasn't been as much in the last year, but we're three and a half years in. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's relevant over here. Beautiful. Yeah. So really seeing these um, parts of ourselves that maybe we've neglected or just haven't really looked at. And then I know for me, for sure, like that's like I haven't been in a long term relationship in a few years. And I think I needed that time um, for sure. But then within intimacy, there is just this incredible opportunity to see all these different aspects of ourselves. And I feel like finding the balance of processing everything, like, and then not processing anything, right? Like there's a middle balance because I don't want to be processing stuff all the time. Like that's, that shit's tiring. And and also like I have shit to do, you know? Um, but also like, I, I love, I love compassion. I love listening. I love empathy, like more, you know, that's, that's, something I love so much as well, but really finding, finding that balance where you're not exhausting that, but you're also not avoiding it. Yeah, it's totally, it's like if we, you know, if you had a child and your child was upset, you would make sure that, you know, if you had a four-year-old, you'd make sure that you bring love and empathy and support to the child. And at some point you need to get your ass to work to pay the bills that ultimately provide the housing for that child. So the greatest act of love you can give to that child is to simultaneously give it, you know, some empathy and support it and to make sure that you continue to do what you got to do. Oh, I really like that. And then using like that frame in the same way towards the relationship and towards whatever childlike and vulnerable parts of you are coming up. Completely. Completely. That's really, really good. Um, Yeah, thank you, thank you. Anything else around the realm of relationship that's really present for you right now that's um, coming up that's been an insight lately? Is there anything that you're particularly particularly curious about? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think this balance of sort of connection and also finding freedom, which is something that I haven't yet been able to find in intimacy, like how, how to stay connected and then at the same time be like my full embodied, I mean, of course, like this, this is a lifelong process, but like how to be connected and be free at the same time. I mean, that's, I know just asking the question is huge, but, um, yeah, how to find that balance. It's so interesting. I don't have an answer that comes 
right to mind. So how do you, or how do I maintain connection and freedom? I think it depends on the dynamic between me and my partner. Like Nadia is not someone who is, um, experiences jealousy a lot. And she's also not someone who, feels like she needs to spend all her time with me and vice versa. We both like a a good amount of independent time, but I could see in a previous partnership how that might not have been the case. Um, I'm not sure. I think if we were speaking about it on a particular basis of, Hey, we're looking at this person and this person we'd be able to dial it in a bit more, but conceptually I don't have something where I can be like, that's the shit to do. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I guess I'm now this is getting like real personal, but um, which is like, why the hell not get real personal? Um, because it's vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but it's why your listeners love you. So let's go. <laughs> it's so true. But um, yeah, like finding, I guess, like a secure attachment, right? Where you where I can really feel um, like connected and supported and knowing that when I come back, I feel safe, but also like knowing that if I am going to be my full expression and really like uh, go for all that I want to do in the world, that it's okay that I'm sort of like not taking care of this other person. Um, mm. Yeah, because I feel like I've I've fallen into that dynamic before and I don't want to do that again. Yeah. And I think that's part of the unconscious social narrative and kind of expectation that falls upon women in general is like, you know, you're expected to be both the, the woman of the household and now in the last 50 years, the, you know, a breadwinner also, or someone who brings in money also. So like there's these, there's almost this existential crisis of the modern women of who the fuck am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be the feminine, you know, motherly nurturing person, or am I supposed to be in the boardroom and crushing it? And I think that can be, um, really challenging, um, I have something else I wanted to share with you about, um, ah, yes, yes, yes. So there's sacrifice, right? And maybe sacrifice is not the best word, maybe like devotion or commitment. Cause it's a conscious choice. Like, you know, in all frankness, I would love to be out and like partying and like having sex with other women. Like that would be great. Right. Like my full masculine embodied free range would be like, <laughs> go conquer, live it up. Right. Like spread the seed. Right. So like that's an authentic desire of mine. Right. So at, so, so at some point you, what I'm choosing to do is to give up part of the me in order to create in order to serve the we, which is the relationship. And then as a result, because we've created such an incredible relationship and such an incredible we, the we ends up giving me, ends up creating a stronger me than I could have without the we. That makes sense. So in other words, it's kind of like, I give up part of what I would independent Jacob wants in order to create, in order to serve this third entity called our relationship entity one, Jacob entity two, Nadia entity three relationship. And the, the entity one, me has to give up this desire or, or at least the action of actually going out there and spreading my seed and, you know, whatever, whatever in order to 
um, serve our relationship, but being in our relationship as a result, it actually sculpts me into and, and gives me the capacity to be someone um, much stronger and much wiser and much more loving and much more intuitive and et cetera, et cetera, than I would be without our relationship. So I end up becoming even more fulfilled um, as a result of that. So that's a framework that we like that I remind myself of when I have these other desires. And uh, it, yeah, it's, it's gave me some kind of peace of mind. Oh, so good. So good. F- a few thoughts. Number one, when you said sculpt, I thought of like David, <laughs> um, you know, the statue, David. Um, yep. Number two, when you said spread your seed, I thought of Game of Thrones and... <laughs> Uh, what I forgot what those men are called. Um, you know the, the not the Khaleesi, but um, who Khaleesi married? Um, did you do you watch Game of Thrones? You know I'm gonna. I know I'm throwing you uh, for a curve here because we were talking about TV before we started the interview, talking about Mr. Robot. But I don't watch Game of Thrones. No! Oh my goodness! Is there a reason why? I think I think Nadia. This is like a secret guilty pleasure of hers that she does she love it? I think she might love Game of Thrones and she's like, oh, I got my alone thing. Like, I'm not going to try to convince him to like this. <laughs> oh, man. Well, in Game of Thrones, I, I forgot the name of them, but there's just these, there are these bare chested men that are like, oh, yeah, like, fuck everybody. <laughs> and so I thought about that with like long hair um, riding on horses. So that's the vision that I had of you. Um, anyway, <laughs> great, and the right vision to have indeed. <laughs> um, that's beautiful. Thank you for all of that. Um, yeah, yeah. So do you have a little bit more time? How are you doing on time? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, great. Um, so before I ask my few last questions that I ask a lot of the amazing guests such as yourself, um, I want to talk a little bit about money because I know that money is an area that is just so challenging for so many people and especially people that are so giving and so loving and caring um, and empathetic and, and want to serve other people. But at the same time, really this masculine energy of, of asking for money and sort of really owning and understanding that like you truly deserve to have good things in your life and you, you deserve to feel secure. Um, not necessarily that money can give you all of that, but it can in, in, in certain ways for sure, in material ways, which we live in a material world. So um, yeah, like your journey around money, you know, you said that you went into debt a little bit. So how you got out of that, um, yeah, how, however you want to take us in that realm and, and really how can we have a healthy relationship with money? I know that that, you know, can be 20 million books, but whatever <laughs> Jacob can give us right now in this very second. Sure. Well, I think a good place to start is just looking at what money actually is. So what is money? Um, Money is what we've collectively, a dollar is what we've collectively agreed upon as um, as a symbol of value. 
So like back in the day, you would say like, okay, I have a dozen eggs and you have a quart of milk and I'm going to trade you my dozen eggs for your quart of milk. And then the um, agricultural um, revolution, I don't exactly know, you know, when we started doing what, but at some point, like you started living further than I lived and there was a third guy and a fourth guy and we all wanted to trade some shit and we just said, okay, so this 12 eggs equals this quart of milk and um, and we're just going to say that equals one dollar. And so a dollar just equals a representation of one unit of value. And you can trade this unit of value for different goods, for eggs, for milk, for, you know, someone to clean your house, whatever. And um, so money is just value. It's just what I value. The biggest shit that I have the biggest pet peeve around is when people are like, charge what you're worth. Like, and I don't know who's, I don't know who's listening to this. So I don't know if you guys are in a service space industry where you're creating your own prices, but they're, you know, the biggest hang up is when people put that I see is when people, um, make their net worth, their self-worth or their services worth their self-worth. Your value as a human being has nothing to do with how much money you bring in or how much you charge. And trying to find value in that is going to lead you to rehab and to be on TMZ. Because even <laughs> if you become a rich fucking celebrity and you're super famous, how does that work out for 70% of celebrities? Mm. Not great when you look for that security significance or, you know, good enoughness for externally. So, um, yeah. So using money to kind of prove that you're good enough is just a recipe for, for disaster and will repel money away from you. It'll actually stop it from coming in. So when we look at money as just a unit of value, well, I don't really get, care about money for money's sake, but what I do care about is a lot of shit. I care about eating certain foods and staying at certain hotels that are fucking dope and paying rent to live in expensive ass Brooklyn and investing in my own coaching services and being able to pay a team that I work with to help me get my work out into the world and help more people. And so money can help with that. I value those things and money can help with all of those things. So for that reason, I'd love to have, you know, the tool of money in my life more. Now, I think the biggest challenge with people like me and you who care about helping people and we're empathetic and we have a good heart and we feel like, oh, if I'm really wanting to help someone, then I shouldn't charge them or I shouldn't charge them what we would say a lot. And that's bullshit also um, to a large degree, because if you know, if some, if I, someone's listening to this podcast for free right now. And if you were listening, if we, if you, this podcast cost you $10,000 to listen to this podcast, you would, and you paid that money, you would show up and you would listen to this podcast. Like it was your fucking Bible. <laughs> like you would like the, the, you would think about it. You would journal on it. You would research on it. You would really, you know, create rituals to take what we said here and put it into use. You'd be high-fiving people. You'd be laying down on subway <laughs> tracks. You'd be doing all types of shit you shouldn't do. Right. But nonetheless, um, when I'm people value where they put their money. So if you put your money toward as a coach, if someone puts their money toward working um, on their transformation, that means that they are going to show up with a certain level of commitment to valuing their transformation. And if I were to charge someone $100 for coaching versus $500 for coaching, they're going to show up with more intensity. Oftentimes, the harder it is for them to make that investment. So I don't want to, as a, a service provider, as a coach, I don't want to make anyone homeless. I don't want anyone to totally lose their shit as a result of 
um, paying me money. But there was a, a point fundamentally when I realized that it is of service. The greatest thing I can do for this person who wants to work with me is to actually charge them because they will show up more seriously and they will get better results. And it works. Like I've charged everywhere from, you know, nothing to a lot. And I've just seen the, the way that, that people show up, um, in that process. And so I'm not, you know, everyone who's listening is going to have a, a different place that they're in in life, but understanding that money doesn't have to do with your value as a human being and that you get to use money to do the things that you value most. That's where I would start. And then also if you're wanting to um, earn money or receive money, recognizing that we got to stop making it about us and our self-worth and who am I to charge that? And am I good enough yet? And focusing on our ego and our insecurities and really be willing to get out of our own way and allow this other person to go through the thing that they want to go through by um, being allowing that that money, that energy, that value to circulate through through us. Thank you. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and there's so much money out there, I think. I, we forget how much money is just like floating in, in people's pockets and in, and in banks and waiting for, for us to, to say, please come my way. <laughs> and um, really the framework of looking at what money can really provide I think that's really important, right? Like eating well and and living a life that feels um, not even necessarily good because it's, it's, I mean, good, but it's also like a feedback loop, right? Because if I'm feeling taken care of, if I'm feeling like I can eat the foods that are important to me and take the space that I need and, and go to acupuncture and do all these things, then I truly can be of more service and more ground to others. 100% without a doubt. Totally, totally. Hell fucking yeah. I can keep going. <laughs> I love it. Um, beautiful. I can, yeah. I can give you one more frame. I know we're, we've spent a good amount of time here, but I'll, I'll share one huge insight or two huge insights that I had around money. Um, the first is that desperation is a wealth repellent. So when we're desperate, we actually repel money away. So if I really need money, it's going to be the hardest to get. It's like, you know, if someone is really wealthy, you know, if you, if you look at it like a bum who's like come, comes to you and is like, Hey, you know, um, would you mind giving me a hundred dollars? You're not going to even look twice this, but you're just going to ignore him. But if some guy, you know, and, and the bum's like, I'll pay you back. Right. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Get away from me. But if some, you know, guy just drove up, up in a, in a absolute like Ferrari and was like, holy shit. Like, um, um, can, can you lend me a hundred dollars for a minute? Like, you know, or, or whatever, like your relationship, maybe a hundred dollars is a bad example, but you get the idea is like, you're going to be way more likely to, um, to give the money because it's, you just feel, Oh, it's, there's money here. It's going to come back. There's an abundance here. And you know, when we're needy, when we have a sense of like, Oh, I really need this money. That's when it's the hardest to actually get it. So how do we, if we don't have it, what do we actually do? Well, we can get into a state of abundance by looking at all the things we do have, like clean water to drink or like love in our life or like food or air to breathe um, or by giving a homeless person a quarter. Um, all these are ways to you know, tap into some of that abundance within ourselves. 
And, uh, and then even if I don't have a client, I can still feel like I, I still have what I need to be okay and, and not show up with that kind of neediness that is going to repel the money. So that's, that's one thing that was really, um, helpful. Um, desperation is a wealth repellent. Being playful is a wealth magnet. That's the other thing that I really love. Like, some it doesn't make sense most of the time because we think like no if I'm professional I should be serious and I should show up in my suit and like we don't do that in the boardroom but like I actually find that when I'm playful I actually ease the tension and it loosens people up and it kind of elevates our consciousness and makes us just feel better and think more clearly and people aren't as afraid to do a, a transaction so being playful is a wealth magnet I fuck now I'm like, shit, we could do a whole interview on, on money, but I'll leave it there. And, uh, maybe we'll do a round two at some point. I love that. And I would love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, being playful in comedy in general and just finding that the joke and everything is like my favorite thing in the world. And it's just like, it's, that's good for everything because <laughs> it's, you know, there's a sense of objectivity to it where you're like actually seeing the situation from multiple angles. So it's, comedy is the best thing ever um yes so so thank you and so you're going to costa rica which um is one of the only countries i've been to out of the the u.s actually well i've been to a few i've been to israel england and costa rica um so yeah you're going to costa rica on a fantastic adventure uh would you mind telling the listeners a little bit more about that Hell yeah. So we are going to Costa Rica in October as and I'm bringing together a group to go through a retreat experience. And the um, reason that we do this is like there's a few things that have really led to me having the the biggest growth that's led to the most fulfillment in my life. And one of those things is travel. Travel helps to kind of break our patterns and to get us out of our normal way of thinking and even our understanding of who we are. Um, it opens us up to new possibilities. We see things we never saw. We experience life in a way that we've never experienced. And we really tap into that sense of, holy shit, more is possible than I'm currently aware of. And so, um, but travel doesn't necessarily mean fulfillment. You could go travel and get drunk and make a bunch of bad decisions and that might not lead to necessarily a better life. So um, we merge travel with growth and, and coaching. And that's the work that I do on a full-time basis is helping people see how they, helping people get clear on what it is that they really, really want on a deep level, especially if you feel like you've already achieved, you know, a good amount of things or, or you, your life is okay already. But on a deep level, it feels like something is missing and you're not exactly sure what that is. Um, you could be a really good candidate for an experience like this. And or maybe you already know what it is that you want, but you're like, hey, how do I I'm getting in my way? Why am I sabotaging myself or what are the even what are the best strategies to get there? Any of these kinds of things um, make you a good candidate. And so what we do is we use coaching to look at how do you stop yourself? What are your blind spots? How do we help you upgrade your mental operating system and get to the next level of, of what it is that you're really craving on a, a deep level? And the, so there's travel, there's um, growth. And in a retreat experience like this, there's a community. And we know scientifically that um, if you want to change, if you want to create 
uh, sustainable change, not just temporary change, but sustainable change that it's nearly impossible to do without changing your relationships and or your environment. And so you just become the people who you spend the most time with. It just happens like whoever's reality is strongest dominates and becomes the new reality of like everyone basically. And so when, when people spend time together, and this is partly why it's so valuable to do some type of coaching work. You could come to me and you could convince me that, you know, it's not possible that you get into that relationship or that it's impossible that you get that job to do work that you really love. But I've just, number one, done it myself and supported hundreds of people in doing things like this. There's no fucking way you're going to convince me that you can't do it. No matter what you say, I don't give a shit. And, and I'm going to lovingly be there with you and, and not judge you for it. Um, and just hold the vision and hold the possibility and support you in, um, stepping into, into what is possible. And yeah, community is just relationships are everything. And if you're like me, then you don't necessarily have a family who, um, was so supportive in you taking a path that maybe society doesn't necessarily say is, you know, the one to take. Um, and, or even, you know, even most people in your life that you love, it's like, it's still hard to talk about some of these deeper things and get support about the things that actually matter most. And so one of my favorite things is really bringing together groups of community. Um, cause ultimately relationships are what matter most at the end of the day. You know, I think that's really clear anytime we have a near death experience or we're on our deathbed. Like it's, it's always the relationships that are, are going to matter most. So it's a combination of travel and growth and community in blissful Costa Rica, um, with a bunch of fun over the course of seven days. And, um, yeah, if you guys are looking for more information on that shit, I wish I had a URL to send you to right now. I'm like, fuck, I did this whole sales pitch. Where am I supposed to send them? Um, when, well, when, when you uh, get it, this? when you get it, um, we'll put it on the blog post. Okay. So you can put it on the blog post and, um, you can also just email me directly, um, Jacob at sensify.com. So J A C O B at S E N S O P H Y.com or just Google Costa Rica sensify. And, uh, yeah, I think you'll be able to find something. Perfect. Perfect. So yes, email Jacob and we can have your email on the blog post as well. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think when I went to Costa Rica for a similar type of retreat a few years ago with um, Linnean Saperstein of the uh, Trailblazers retreat, I, um, I had a very profound experience and it changed, it really did change uh, my life in so many ways. I just saw myself, I got to be... I got to experience and feel a version of myself that I had always dreamed of, but never really like exercised. And it was just like, it was almost like a new, it's just like I wore a new outfit, right? On reality. And it was just so exciting. And I was like, oh, like I can bring this back with me. And I, Mm. and I did. Um, And I think oftentimes it does take going away for, for, I mean, not always, but I think, for me, I needed that. I needed to to feel a new version of myself, and ultimately, that's where the idea for Senmo was born. And um, you know, the 
the central movement practice I teach for women. And yeah, so I totally agree. And just from hearing you speak for this hour, Jacob, I'm sure it's going to be an incredible experience. So I'm excited for the people that get to go on it and experience um, your coaching and who you are. Well, thank you. Thank you for throwing the ball back at me for the alley-oop so I could dunk it. I appreciate that. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> uh, amazing. Okay, so really quick, three questions to end. What's your favorite movie? Oh, God. Uh, teenage Jacob wants to say Fight Club. <laughs> um, I'm going to leave it there. Great. I love it. Fight Club. Hell yeah. What is your favorite food? Sushi, hands down. Sushi, do you have a type? Um, from the Tsukiji market in Tokyo, Japan, there's this um, conveyor belt sushi place that I just like literally have gone to Japan five times to eat sushi, just stay for like five days and, uh, and, and <laughs> leave. Um, I love uni, which is sea urchin. It's kind of the thing that looks pretty nasty, but it's a delicacy and I love it. Yum, yum. Um, and last but not least, um, what is one habit that you do every day or almost every day that you feel like has most changed and really grounded you in your life and, and giving you a sense of goodness? Um, trying to come up with something profound that you won't read on like an elephant journal, like seven things to do in the morning. <laughs> I, know, I know, but you personally, like you, Jacob, in your life, like what's been most helpful? I think one of the things that I do, which is pretty like uh, valuable for me is the moment that I realize that I'm awake in the morning, like, you know, you're just like coming into aliveness from that, that foggy dreamy state. Um, the, even before my eyes are open, I just start like going like, thank you, 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 thank you. I just like start naming shit that I'm grateful for. Like, Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm alive. I'm healthy. Like I have a woman next to me who I love. I have a cat here. This is awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's kind of ridiculous, but it just primes me and yeah, it just reminds me like, yeah, okay. So whatever challenges that are happening in my life that maybe I wish weren't happening, like the end of the day, I have it so good and, um, we all do, you know, and I know that it's really challenging for some people with some, some things happening and nonetheless, there's an infinite amount of things to be grateful for. So just, just that ridiculous little 15 second practice that, um, I've kind of embedded in my neural structure somehow. So that first thing, as soon as I realize I'm awake, just go for it. Um, I think that really sets the tone for a lot. Mm, yes. So good. So good. And it really, it reminds me of the prayer that you say in Judaism and, um, and I have various people in my life that are super religious Jews and there's a lot about the religion that I, I don't connect with, but there's a lot that I do connect with. And this is one of the things is the first prayer you say when you wake up is modani lefanecha. And which means like, I thank you, God, universe, source, whatever the hell, or just thank you, life. Thank you. Like, that's the first thing you say when you wake up. So when you said, mm -hmm. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you, that's what came into my heart. So thank you for sharing that. 
Oh yeah. Well, thank you for a great interview. Thank you for the questions and thank you for doing the work um, in yourself and on this planet to develop the consciousness that you've developed and to spread forward the wisdom that's been so meaningful for you and to help other people also live with more of that fulfillment and more of that guidance. Thank you so much, Jacob. I'm really appreciating you for who you are and for this amazing time that you've spent with me and with our listeners. And yeah, just thank you so much for being who you are. All right. Well, that was a ton of fucking thank you. So I had to drop an F bomb just so we weren't so hippy dippy. <laughs> and fuck to end it all. All right, everybody. We're sending love from our hearts to your hearts and hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are. And we will talk to you soon. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find me at ellierne.com where you'll find any of the links we talked about on today's show. See you next week, everybody. And until then, may all beings in the whole universe be free and feel loved. And that includes you. Feel the passion, but don't forget the compassion. Namaste. Namaste.